All right, welcome back to This Is Jazz Today. My name is Nick Finzer, and I'm joined here with Alan Blanchard. And today we're going to go through and talk a little bit about what's on the playlist for uh, July 2019. Uh, I know we're we're approaching the end of August already, but uh, there's some great music that came out in July. And uh, we're just going to give you our top 10 for this month. Uh, If you're not subscribed to the podcast already, go to Spotify, click subscribe or follow, or whatever they call it, uh, so you can see when the new tracks get uploaded each and every month. Uh, So we're going to keep on rolling here. Alan, thanks for being here. Thanks for putting together the podcast. And why don't you introduce us to track number 10? Uh, So track number 10 is a single from a drummer that I'm sure everyone's heard of. Uh, The full record is out now, but uh, it's Jimmy Cobb's new record, This I Dig of You, um, and the single I'm Getting Sentimental Over You. Uh, So beautiful single. Um, I mean, I've been in love with with Jimmy Cobb's playing since like, I mean, first hearing Kind of Blue and, and like his experience with Miles. And um, it was just incredible. And, you know, on the record, it's like a, it's a quartet with guitar out front, which is always uh, interesting. I can't say that's something that I listen to often, um, but I first got into hearing this type of stuff with um, Oscar Peterson's trio and then the other guitarist, Peter Bernstein, who's actually on this record. Um, so phenomenal, uh, single, the rest of the record I've checked out since then is like amazing. Um, and with Peter Bernstein, Harold Mayburn and John Weber, and of course, Jimmy Copline drums. So I think, um, you know, it's, it's like a, what a lot of people would expect from Jimmy Cobb, which I don't think is a bad thing by any means. Um, but they go through like several singles on the record and, um, or not singles on the record, standards on the record. And, you know, it's just, it's just good music. Yeah, straight ahead. What do you expect from the, these Smoke Session records? For sure. I mean, it's amazing. Another two legends together, Jimmy Cobb, Harold Mayburn. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, uh, you know, Peter Bernstein is obviously no one to uh, ignore. <laughs> and John Weber are also great. But those two, like alone, you know, let him do a duo record and I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah. And. I think, you know, interestingly enough, Jimmy Cobb is going to be on a record that's coming out on Outside of Music pretty soon in January. So that's that's going to be exciting. Well, that is nuts to hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Uh, you know, the, the Anderson twins, Peter and Will Anderson, they recorded a yeah. record uh, with Jimmy Cobb, I guess. <laughs> the, at least that's what they told me. And uh, <laughs> I'm pretty well, sure we're going to uh, get that up. No, I, no, I know that. He's on there. Okay, it's cool, coming out cool. in January, so <laughs> it won't get awkward. I promise. All right, so let's move on. Let's go to track number nine for this month, July 2019. Yeah, so this next track is um, the release of a recording of a symphony that um, Wenton wrote and Jazz at Lincoln Center recorded with the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra uh, under the conducting of David Robertson, and it is his Swing Symphony. So. I mean, I I think we were kind of talking about this at first. I was kind of like iffy if I want to put it on here, not because I don't enjoy it, but like it's certainly a um, like you have to sit down and listen to it with the right mindset, you know? Because like it's it's a it's such a large, um, first off endeavor to write, but it's also you know a, a large thing for for someone listening to go listen to it. Um, so I'm really personally intrigued by this stuff, like combining um multi movement stuff with jazz and and the combining of like big band and, and orchestra and whatnot 
So I think if people are are open to that, it'll be um, it'll be a great listen. You know, it's it's seven movements that goes through, and it basically kind of traces the the American growth of jazz is as how they put it, like from New Orleans uh, ragtime to Kansas City to New York bebop. Um, so you know, so obvious influences of like Mary Lou Williams and George Gershwin and Duke Arm Duke Ellington, not Duke Armstrong, Jesus, Duke Ellington, <laughs> Louis Armstrong. Um, and, and everything. And, you know, I like, I, I've never hidden that I'm a huge, uh, fan of Winton, but I, I, these compositions like compositionally really intrigue me. So I think coming in at that, from, uh, that perspective and, you know, recognizing that it's not going to be too many like open blowing sessions or sections or anything like that, you know, it'll, it'll be something that people really enjoy. Excellent. So what made you pick this movement space theory? Uh, it was the one that was kind of the most out there, which was really okay. intriguing. Um, kind of like, you know, when people do like space music or like, uh, and stuff like that, it was just, it wasn't as necessarily easy to follow. So I think that that gravitated my ear towards it more because I had to listen to it a little bit more before I was like starting to pick up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, the other stuff, like I said, some of it has like a really, uh, like heavy Gershwin influence. And I was like, well, you know, not that that's bad, but let's, let's pick something a little bit different here. Um, so I don't know. It's really, it's really interesting. And there's, especially in this one, um, I mean, not to say there isn't any other ones, but there's like a lot of, uh, playing off back and forth between the orchestra and, and the big band and, and whatnot. So I thought that was pretty cool. So this is a Winton symphony, right? It's, it's correct. Not Ted Nash or something. Okay. So do you feel like, uh, how do you think about this one compared to the, the previous symphony? Was that the Swing Symphony that he wrote? This is the Swing Symphony. Oh, I thought this was something different. No, no, this is this is like one of the movements of the Swing Symphony. Like, they wrote it, and now they just finally recorded it and released it. Oh, okay. I remember seeing like a video of it like four or five years ago. Yeah, so yeah, I thought yeah. It was something so they recorded else. it. No, no, no. Oh, they recorded it. But I mean, comparatively to like... um. There was the one that they uh like he did the mass, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um there was a symphony that and I wanna say, yeah, so the video that you might be talking about, which is just really cool if you guys haven't seen it too, is um back in like two thousand eleven, they did this with the Berlin Philharmonic. Maybe that um, wasn't yeah. Yeah, and it's free to go watch, but what they did is they put it all to dance. So like the camera angles like incorporates like this basically floor the size of like a basketball court, like right in front of the orchestra and the big band with like each of the movements set to dance. So that was uh, even like more difficult to wrap my head around because I will fully admit, like I do not watch dance at all. And like, you know, it's all mm-hmm. like classically trained, like ballet and everything paired with it um, with like very bright and, and colorful costumes and, you know, choreography i just look at i'm like wow that looks difficult but i don't you know (laughs) necessarily know how to understand it from that perspective so that was really cool nice but yeah he premiered this like just took a long time okay yeah yeah, it took a long time to get out that's great though that's cool okay so i am familiar with the music then i have (laughs) heard it um okay so that was number was that number nine number nine nine okay so number eight here Another legend. Yeah, so uh, Houston person. And I don't know 
Um, I mean, what else there is to say about Houston person? Like he's incredible. Um, he's a tenor sax player that I have always, um, he's like one of all, one of those people, like when you look up a standard or something, trying to learn it and like his recording comes on, he always kind of gets put on the list of like, all right, I'll listen to that and check it out. Um, Mm -hmm. just incredible sound. He puts out this, uh, record. I'm just a lucky so-and-so, um, you know, which is obviously a great standard. And he goes through tons of them. Will a weep for me day by day. Um, I guess I'll hang my tears out to dry. And, you know, it's a phenomenal record as well with Eddie Allen on it, Lafayette Harris, Rodney Jones, Matthew Parrish, and Kenny Washington. Um, and it's just, it's something like, I don't want to call it easy listening because I feel like easy listening gets such a, a bad vibe. Maybe uh-huh. uh, when you <laughs> group that in with jazz. But, you know, you just put it on and it's not something that's going to require you to like you got you don't have to be 100 percent focused on it as if we're doing like really complex, you know, things. You just put it on, like pick your favorite standard and listen to it. And, you know, you just smile while listening. It's like listen to a like a Ben and Sweets record or, or like a lesser young record or something. Yeah, I know. It's just classic swinging. Well, representative of the song. If that's something that's important to you. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, Eddie Allen's playing as a trumpet player. So that certainly helps. Sure. I mean, you always have to include your fa- your favorite trumpet players. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm going to check out <laughs> yeah. first. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie and hide it at all, you know? And it's just, uh, you know, anyone that has listened pretty. to this podcast knows that you do not hide your affinity for the trumpet. Ever. No, but you know what's interesting is uh like often like we were talking about um Kenny Garrett the other day. Like there's very few times that like I've like will cue up someone's uh trumpet playing, but like they're not what I go that's like not my go to to listen to, you know? Like I listen Tell to a lot of sax. Okay. <laughs> I mean, do you like I feel like when I sometimes when I listen to a trumpet player's record, like I get into a different mindset maybe. Like I'm starting mm-hmm. to like uh compare myself or um, you know, uh, there's also more, uh, like, I don't know. I feel like trumpet doesn't necessarily have as much of a, a role in like modern jazz as sax does maybe right now. Um, oh, cause, cause trombone does more. Than... <laughs> don't complain <laughs> about that. Look, I don't know what to tell you about trombone. You guys hit your peak and it was about 40 years ago. <laughs> and then you still pick the 40 flight. years ago. I think the peak was in the thirties with Tommy Dorsey. And then it's been downhill from there. Yo, but that Bob Brookmeyer and Clark Terry went that man. Yes. I mean, that's a great record, but that's also valve trombone. Yeah. Which I mean, still trombone. Oh, come on. It's a different instrument. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just, uh, I just, for some reason, I feel like I gravitate to that more often. Um, and that's, I mean, definitely partially because of like my ignorance, but like even the records I've mentioned to you recently about trumpet players, like they're not stuff that's coming out now. It's just people's records from years ago that I had never heard of. Sure. Sure. Um, well, we'll see what happens. I don't know. We're getting on a tangent here. But did you ever find a better solo than uh, Kenny Garrett? We had a conversation about was there a better Kenny Garrett solo than Sing a Song of Songs? Um, Not that. No. I mean, no. That's like. Nobody that's got back to him. So I did uh, post on social media um, that there were some good suggestions. Uh, one of them was like, 
his Mac the Knife uh, recording off of uh, African Exchange Student, which is a great record. Okay. I'll completely take that. There's like a live recording of him playing I Remember April with Freddie, Dizzy, and Woody Shaw, which um, that was great, but I was more impressed by like Freddie, Dizzy, and Woody Shaw on the, all on the same stage. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but no, I don't know. That's just like my favorite recording, and I have no idea why. It just seems like whatever was going on that day, that band was bringing it, and that was it. It was a good, it was a good recording. I, I agree. I yeah. think even when I teach jazz camp, you know, like kids are playing that tune. I'm like, how do you know that? Why do you know that? But they do. It's it's just it's just good. I don't know. It's classic. And like, yeah. And what he's playing, like I've transcribed some of it, and I'm trying to finish up the rest. Like it's not even that complex necessarily. Um, it's just really good. It is. That's it. It is good. It is good. Um, well, let's keep moving here. Let's get back to the task at hand. We're getting off track. It's my fault, I know. Saxophone players. Oh, we got more saxophone players here and more connection to Jazz and Lincoln Center Orchestra. Uh, Paul Medzella. So, this is what number is this now? Six. Yeah, so it's uh, off of his new record, Introducing Paul Medzella, um, which, side note, I think is like a really cool thing. <laughs> That's like jazz albums introducing so and so. Um, I know it's been done a couple of times. <laughs> More than a couple, I think. Right. Um, but he, you know, it's his, his take on uh, this tune, Bernard's Revenge, uh, featuring a phenomenal trio behind of him, Dan Nimmer on piano, David Wong on bass, and Aaron Kimmel on drums. Um, and I don't know, I've I've always been a huge fan of Paul Nedzell's playing. I actually first heard him um, like at a Lincoln Center concert in Florida, and it was really weird because the program still said Joe Temperley, but I looked on stage and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's not Joe Temperley. Um, and it's just phenomenal. There's like, there's very few Barry players that I want to listen to. Um, and he's one of those that I really do. And it's just, uh, like I, I appreciate the ability to, you know, to make, not to say it's like a, it's not a lesser instrument by any means, but like tenor and alto have always taken like the forefront in saxophone, you know, and sure. to hear the the Barry again in a, in a situation like that, where it's like, Hey, like I'm in front of the band. This is my band. Like I'm playing Barry sax and like to embrace, like that is my thing is the Barry sax, like mad respect for. And he does it uh, extremely well, uh, highly versatile on it. Huge fan of his playing. Um, and I don't know. I really like the tune too. The, uh, just starting off with like, the piano and it's very like a um like it's not a burner but like it, it's like it's very like in your face a type of a tune you know it's not mm-hmm. like a like easy listening like at all it's just like intense and, like <laughs> here we go uh but it's it's a it's great a new tune. york vibe definitely definitely a new york vibe you know from all those times i've been to new york yeah, come on man you gotta get you gotta get it together yeah sorry man <laughs> <laughs> um I think it's a contrafact on Bernie's tune, though, right? Pretty sure. I I think I wasn't a hundred percent sure, so I didn't want to claim that, but I'm pretty sure it's a contrafact. I'm pretty sure. That's what it seems like to me. Um, yeah, and I actually just played with Paul. When was that? Last week. We played at Smalls with Lucas. So he's very mm. very versatile. Can play all different stuff. Killing. All right. So Paul's record came out. When did that come out? Came out in July, duh. Hence yeah, this July yeah, playlist. This is the like I'm July all 12th. over the place right now, <laughs> as you can hear. Uh, July twelfth. So that's number six. Let's move on to number five. 
Yeah. So, um, and for the amount of times that I've talked about this amazing vocalist and included her on these playlists, I should be able to pronounce her last name. Sarah Jazarek. Right. I always thought it was Gazarek. Gazarek. You're most likely right. Um, her record but it's comes probably out. Probably not. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. You're you're better off than well, I am. Okay. Anyway, so we'll move on from that. <laughs> uh, well, so her record comes out in three days, and it's this. Uh, it's called Thirsty Ghosty. Thirsty Ghost. Sorry. This is one of the singles that was off of it. Never will I marry the great standard by Frank uh, Losier, and it's it's phenomenal. I like. I'm a huge fan of the way that she approaches singing. And the way that she arranges the music, um, like all of these standards that she's done on her past records are incredible. Uh, she has a great band, um, like Kurt Allen guest artists on this record, which I'm really looking forward to. Like Larry Goldings is playing an organ on it. A wide arrangement of instruments, like including, you know, bass, clarinet, trombone, alto. Um, the drummer is actually killing. Uh, I saw him at Ravinia when he was up there playing with Billy Childs, Christian Iman. Uh, definitely probably killed that last name. I thought name it was too. human. I it definitely, human. yep. <laughs> human. Um, and he was a phenomenal drummer. Like he was playing with Billy Childs. And then the next day he was like on the road with Jacob Collier. Um, and she just is someone like, I'm all, I always love standards, but it's really interesting hearing like her or Terrence Blanchard does it a lot too, where like they take a standard and like completely change mm -hmm. the vibe. Um, whether that means like uh, different resolutions of the ending of phrases or like different harmony underneath it or different grooves or, you know, all in the same. Um, so huge fan of this record. Uh, love her singing. And I think it's uh, I can't wait to hear the rest. Nice. That sounds like a good band. How is it like a much different take than, you know, the well-known version, the Nancy Wilson version of that tune? Um, like backbeat based yes, it's, totally different. <laughs> it's yeah completely different like in everything and like the cool thing about this record is going to be that like she has originals of course but like she does some covers of like sam smith songs and dolly parton songs and like a stevie wonder song um so that's just really cool and that that's something that i think has become uh, well i guess i could say it's become more popular but that's really because the cover of the popular music has just changed right. Um, with like people doing covers of like Beatles tunes and like she's not the only one that done did Dolly Parton. Um, um, the the drummer did one. Dan Dan Bugach did the cover of a Dolly Parton tune, and like you know we're just seeing more people do covers of like popular music of today, which is like a really interesting approach. Um, is it that interesting though? Isn't that just what everybody's always done? I mean, it's more interesting because it's more relatable to me, I think. No, no, I always say um, that because that's what because they were like, doing with Bye Bye Blackbird and everything else was from a show and it was in popular culture. And then they made a jazz version. Right. But see, Bye Bye Blackbird to me is just yeah. a standard. Like, that's not a cover. So, like, now these are covers of stuff that, I mean, years wow. from now, who knows, it might be standards. Um. I doubt that they'll become like I don't I don't know. I mean there'll be standards in like their own genre, I guess. Like Dolly Parton, like she covers Jolene is one of the tracks on the record, which is like definitely a standard quote unquote around the country sure. music scene, you know? And that's but that's the same one that Dan did. Yeah, so I'm really pumped to hear it. Like I'm really excited. 
because uh, not to, like Dan was great, but like Sarah's. I mean, Sarah's their killer. arrangement got nominated for a Grammy. Dan's arrangement. So, yeah, I, I mean, it's great. Like I'm, I'm not saying. knocking at all, but like Sarah's killing. <laughs> arguing minutia here. <laughs> Excellent. So Sarah Gosrek, and I'm counting on here, and I think you have eleven tracks, not uh, ten. No, because we just one, two, three, counting four, backwards. Five, I'm six, saying. Seven. Eight, nine, ten. Nope, I got ten. You're bad. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five. Ten, ten was eight, Jimmy Cobb. Oh, nine, right, Swing right. Symphony. Eight, Houston. Seven, Paul. Six is Sarah. And we're on to number five okay. with Snarky well, Bob. Tell us, I don't know this track yet. Um, this was really weird. So Snarky Puppy is, I mean, anyone should be familiar with him at this point. Like they obviously. I wouldn't call them jazz, maybe. I would call them like a bunch of jazz musicians just making mm -hmm. music at this point. Um, or jazz influenced musicians, whatever you want to say there. Um, and like all of their songs cover such a drastic range of of genres influencing and whatnot. And when I put this on, this kind of reminded me of like this pop band, like Imagine okay. Dragons at first. Because it's like it's like really like rock influenced almost. And like, it sounds very poppy at first with just the way that it's mixed and the way that the drums are interplaying and whatnot. Um, and it doesn't even necessarily get to like a snarky puppy vibe until you hear the organ come in. Um, but I mean, it's once again, like a phenomenal record and it kind of follows. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's tons of examples where they don't do this, but I feel like, they they do they set have like a longer section at the beginning of their tune that like kind of sets it up and like they go through a melody and they have like a lot of like group interactions and then they tend to put their solos like mm -hmm. towards the end of the tune. Um and it's just kind of like a formula of like, hey, like build up everything and then it breaks down and then here's a solo and then like everything builds up again and then like they either end the tune high or like they quickly fall off type vibe. Um and this kind of follows that, you know, it has like a great um sax solo in it. And I think people will enjoy it, but this is, you know, a single off uh, a new record that's going to be coming out. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, it's hard to describe it. You know, it's just snarky puppy is snarky puppy. Like, I don't really know what else compares to it other than like the offshoot bands from members of snarky puppy that sound like they've been in snarky puppy. <laughs> How many know? times can you say snarky puppy in a row in one sentence? <laughs> I don't know, man, but like, that's, that's kind of what it is set up, you know? Um, so I think people will really enjoy it. Like if you're into that thing, um, if not, then you might not, but it's, it's really hard to say like, I just don't like this because they're snarky puppy because they cover so many different things. Like even their family dinner, like having French music influenced and having, um, you know, Latin music influenced and having uh, blues influence. Like they cover so many different things. And I think, you know, it keeps it interesting for the people, the band and for the listeners and, and everything. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. Um, well, let's keep moving. Let's, let's not uh, debate Snarky Puppy's uh, occupancy <laughs> in the jazz or not. That, that could go down uh, a road I don't want to um, go down. <laughs> so the next record, uh, number four, is Victor Gould's new record, um, Thoughts Become Things, which is... Uh, kind of a trippy title and like really trippy artwork if you guys haven't seen that yet but like a great lineup on it with jeremy pelt godwin lewis dana stevens and drummond vicente archer and rodney green 
Um, and it's it's a great record. There's so many um, good compositions on here that it was like really difficult for me to choose with what I wanted to go with. So I defaulted to Polka Dots and Moonbeams, uh, which is duo with Jeremy Pelt, because who doesn't like hearing Jeremy Pelt play? Uh, Alan. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's 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 a phenomenal record. Like it has like um some songs that like people are like already calling of being like uh our hip hop and R and B uh sampled, which is kind of interesting. Um but I think people will enjoy it. Like, you know, Jeremy Pelt kind of has like this vibe of like Blue Mitchell and, and Donald Bird at the times. Um, but what's really cool is like what each individual kind of brings to um all the tracks because they're very heavily um, I don't know if layered's the right word, but they're not like they're dense. They're like very dense, and there's a lot of uh, lush harmonies and everything throughout it. So, and with like um, and Drummond playing flute throughout of it, and uh, you know Victor Gould at one point like gets really heavy into like these Ahmad Jamal sounding chords on um this tune October. So, I don't know. I think people will really enjoy it. It covers like a, a wide spectrum of things, and it's just very like one of those tunes you listen to or not tunes, like records that you listen to and like, you think, you know, where they're going to go. And then they go to like this different harmony that you mm-hmm. did not expect. And you're like, wow, I wish I was. A <laughs> you could be, if you wanted to be. I mean, I could be, you are completely right. But like, even if I like, without being a pianist, there's so many things. Like, I remember I always ask someone like when I'm working on it and I'll talk to a pianist. I was like, how do I know if that chord was bad or if it was just my voicing mm-hmm. that was bad? And they're like, well, you never do. <laughs> um, but like you know, that's their entire job is is expressing things with piano, and so um, sometimes I firmly believe sometimes they don't know what they're doing, but they just like feel like that's the spot Uh-oh. to go next, and then they're Shots just kind of fired. you know doing it. not not like they don't know what they're doing, but like they don't know where they're going. They're just like they just like guide them. Sure. they're like well this yeah yeah yeah, and like checking out their 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 hands and whatnot, being like well what if mm-hmm. I went here you know no I know what you mean. I'm just giving you a hard time. Yeah. But I love Victor. I love his playing. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful cat. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And Godwin Lewis has been like a saxophone player that I've really been uh checking out lately. Um Yeah, he's pretty so pretty good. Really yeah, pumped for that. You, you know, that's yeah. some things. He all, you know, could have won the monk competition. Yeah, I think he was second place or something like that. I think he's uh pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty, I think pretty he had a record just come out too. Did we put it on one of these playlists? Um, I feel like it came out Maybe it's in February. Maybe it was February? that. Yeah, Global. Global. If you want to check out Godwin Lewis Global. Yeah. You're right. Exact, you're exactly right. February. Wow. You're really, you're getting really good at this. If I'm completely honest, I definitely was on his profile at the time. Oh, um, I was giving you so much credit, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I don't need that credit at all. I can't pronounce half of these people's names. <laughs> That's all right. You'll learn eventually. How about the next one? Can you pronounce the next one? <laughs> yeah, I can pronounce the next one because if uh, you haven't heard of him, I don't know what rock you've been under because this is what everyone crazed over for many years and still do. Jacob Collier's new record. Um, Jesse Volume 2. Jesse Volume 2. Jesse. I don't. It's Silent D. Maybe. I don't really know. Um. Yeah, this is like so. Jacob Collier, as everyone I'm sure knows, like got really famous doing um, like YouTube videos where he basically does everything on them, um, which is kind of really scary. And 
uh, was recognized by Quincy Jones. And Quincy Jones has kind of like, not to say that Jacob needed that help per se, but like Quincy Jones has like fostered him as like, you know, the next biggest thing with his mm -hmm. whole career people. Um, and yeah, like Jacob's just really scary because I understand people being good at like multiple instruments, but like he's scary good on any instrument I've ever seen this man True. touch. Um, and so his new record came out, which uh, I was reading a little bit about. Um, well, first off, it has uh, Christian Yuman that we were talking about earlier playing on it. Becca Stevens is on it, who's a ridiculous vocalist. Uh, the bassist Sam Wilkes. Um, and there's like a bunch of like guest artists throughout it. Um, like Chris Teal is on it. JoJo's on it. This one has a uh, Dodie on it. And it's funny because this is also a cover of a pop song. The Beatles, Here Comes the Sun. But yeah, it's it's really weird. I almost actually enjoy watching his videos because his videos are just as um, overwhelming <laughs> might be the right word for it. Yeah. <laughs> and as someone that has zero video knowledge, it's always blown my mind how he's able to like, like he he started off doing like little block inlets, mm -hmm. you know, of himself. But now like in this video, for example, they're like, it's just one set, like this garden outside. And like, you see like, multiples of him like walking out there in the garden and like my mind's blown like how did you shoot that um but yeah it's it's incredible and like they're talking about the 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 release party for this where like it was supposedly like an entire immersive experience with like three different spaces that like had live music that was like all interactive complimenting the area they were in and then like it ended with like this full tasting munis menu of like sonic tapas as they were described that jacob created. <laughs> that's quite quite a description um, yes he's a very uh artistic mm -hmm. person like that kind of art where like they like want it to be a hundred percent like an immersive experience and i think his music is very like that too like it is it is very immersive like to me um a good example would be like eating like really rich chocolate okay and then like after a while you gotta like like you can't eat an entire bar of really rich chocolate or at least i can like i need like a little bit and then i'm like okay this is like really a lot right now let me back oh, off I, see. I understand yeah um, i can only handle like one yeah, Jacob yeah, yeah. i mean track at a time they're very overwhelming sometimes <laughs> they they can be they can be but um but like in its own like obviously we know like that's that's can be overwhelming but like that's really impressive obviously um and they're not bad per se, but like, you know, if he does like 40 tracks on one tune, like I got to listen to it, you know, at least 20 times to try and catch everything. Sure, sure. Um, which sometimes I just don't have the time to do or like the focus capacity to do it. But I usually always get there. Yeah, you listen to it 40 times? No, not at all. Of course, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> iTunes keeps track, right? So I don't know. This one I've listened to a lot and there's another one on this. Um, record uh moon river i've listened to that one a lot too okay. but uh yeah it's 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 a lot this is a lot but he's it's pretty amazing but it's good it's a he's good an amazing yeah. understander of music just flows through him you know just without have you watched his like videos on theory yeah i've watched some of them the way you're talking about like the negative harmony stuff I, negative harmony or like when he does the thing where um like, you know, eight, eight notes in a scale. Like mm -hmm. we do that and then like half steps in between. But like when he can sing and like divide a pitch into like 
six equal parts. Yeah. Well, that's that's nuts. Yeah, I mean, that's like uh, if you start thinking about overtones and say it was a brass player, it's something to think about too. You know, like how to tune different chords. Yeah, but like the fact that he can go like G to F and divide that evenly like five times just blows yeah, my mind. Yeah, he's a freak with like super perfect frequency pitch. What do they call it? Like absolute frequency or ab- something like that. Um, scary <laughs> is what I call it. <laughs> Definitely scary. Definitely scary. All right, so let's keep moving. Number two, ah, how can you compete with Miles Davis? I'm, I don't know. Miles might be upset with you that you're, he's not number one. <laughs> so this is uh this is really interesting because I kind of discovered when I was doing my comprehensive exams, um, and I mean I had always known this, but like I hadn't listened to a lot of Miles, um, not in the sense that like I haven't listened to what I have listened to of Miles a lot, but like Miles did a lot, as I'm sure you know, and a lot of people listening to this know, um, and so like the later Miles and whatnot, I just real like I just hadn't listened to it, you know, I wasn't against it, mm-hmm. I just hadn't. Um, so no one come after me. <laughs> the mob is coming after uh, you. Watch out. Right. And so what happened was I was literally just Googling, um, stuff that was coming out in July and this and another single came out office record. Um, but it was really weird because I was like, why, you know, like when, when someone says like, here's an unreleased record by so-and-so I'm always really confused at first. Because I'm like, well, why did you decide to do this now and not closer? Like, why now? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and then I'm always really skeptical of is it a new record or is it a re-release or is it just like a compilation that a record label has put together to try and, you know, get more plays or whatever. Um, and so what I've learned is supposedly in um, like he was on Columbia for so long and then he moved over to Warner Brothers and he did that first album, Tutu, in 1986. Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly this record was like begun in 1985 and was just about to come out on Columbia and they pulled it because they'd wanted Tutu to like blow up. So what's happened now is like original producers, Randy Hall and Zane Gills or Giles, uh, along with Davis's nephew, Vince Wilburn Jr. Um, has like taken over to finish this record and like they've, I uh, have some guest stars of uh, Layla Hathaway and uh, Medina Johnson, and which is taking the spot of like the guests who he originally intended to mm-hmm. be on the record. Um, but it's it's really interesting. Like it's just such a weird um thing to come back up, and I it's so cool to hear this stuff that like they were trying to figure out and they were trying to think of and they were doing at the time, and then hear it. First off, like now um, and whatnot, the only thing like, you know, obviously when we get something like this is it's it's going to be Miles, but we do have to take into consideration like Miles is not finishing it. Right. But, you know, they were the original producers, like they were the people working with him. So who's better fit maybe mm-hmm. to take it over? Maybe. Um, but so it's, uh, it's yeah. But you, yeah, I'm really interested. So it was just like unfinished and they just went back and like laid down more tracks. Basically, like there was a com, it's a combination of like there were some of them were like his solos were recorded and like they just added in the guest artists, like they had the track and they just had to add the mm-hmm. guest artists in. Um, there's other one where like it was partially like done and like they finished it, but like the one that I included on here, Rubber Band of Life, is like starts off with Miles is playing, um, 
but like the rest of the track sounds like really mm-hmm. modern. Um, which is something that I'm sure he would have wanted. And he was like definitely into checking out like electric music and like influenced by everything in that regards. Um, but it's just very interesting. And then what's even cooler is like the album cover is like one of his original paintings. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. Cool. So, uh, you know, Miles was like into, you know, a lot of stuff like he boxed. Um, and supposedly one of the things he liked to do was like paint. Um, and he got like really into, I want to say, um, expressionist type stuff and painted and they use the artwork to cover it. Um, don't ask me to tell you what it means because I have no idea. I just know it's a Miles Davis. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, abstract. It's supposed to be whatever you that's, decide. Uh, it's supposed to be whatever you see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, I can't wait to check that out. I didn't realize all of that about it. And then, uh, yeah, now then we're going to finish with, uh, let's see, he's probably one of the more famous pop, famous jazz musicians in the mainstream culture these days. Yeah, I mean, how many jazz musicians get an article in uh, Variety about their new jazz album yeah, coming out? Yeah, not too many. I would say not, not many. Not too many, unless you're on TV. <laughs> um, right, and this one is John Batiste, the band leader for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Um, former uh student <laughs> with Nick Fenzer. Yep. Um, yeah. So this is the single that was off of it. Um the record is out now called Anatomy of Angels Live at the Village Vanguard. Um yeah, I mean anybody that has ever listened to me knows I'm a huge fan of live records. I think they're, they're just like really cool how organic they are. Um and so like it's it's kind of interesting because like I'm I listen to this the track creative which like starts off with like a really monk vibe um, and then goes into the rest of it, which like turns into more of John's music almost. Um, But he, he talks about this stuff and says like he, he was like summoning quote unquote, the ghost of heroes like Coltrane and monk and like uh, an old friend, uh, Roy Hargrove and everything. And like kind of equates it to like an example of like live art which is really interesting because I feel like John is one of those people that like when he plays definitely like in and out of different vibes. Like you don't start a tune and end the tune in the same thing. Like there's tons of mm-hmm. stuff in between. Um, And he's, you know, from just following him on like social media and checking out like his other music and whatnot, you can tell like he's certainly influenced by like fashion and, and sculptures and like many different forms of art. So I think that you definitely can hear that um, in his music. But it's, you know, the record is own, the like the very thought of views on there. So he does his take of that. Uh, Monks Around Midnight, which is like incredible. Um, but it was kind of interesting. Like he just like there's there's uh, this variety articles like really good to read about the actual entire record. And he just talks about like he wanted to approach this with like a really avant garde type vibe. Mm. Um, and like take that in consideration, um, rather than just like A, B, A, B, A, B, you know, or whatever, um, and make sure that he's approaching each song individually, like as a different thing, you know, don't approach each song with their own, um, don't approach each song like the same way. So I don't know. I think it was, uh, it was really interesting. And like, they kind of talk about like how it's, it's changed his philosophy to like be on the show 
you know, they reference like how Questlove and Black Thought from the Roots like talk about their experience on the Tonight Show and whatnot, and how that's uh, changed it. But you you know, he's interesting in general just because, um, like his I wouldn't necessarily like he's not like playing just straight mm-hmm. Bob. Um, he can like he very well can. Um, but even on the tonight or on the late show, like you still hear like it's like it's jazz music, you know, like that's the tradition it comes out of that all of his stuff is. Yeah, he's an so. interesting character. He kind of bridges a lot of different things, a lot of different style. I don't know if even styles, but just approaches, maybe. It's interesting. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I'm a huge fan of his uh, like his Stay Human mm-hmm. project. Um, which I think like after because i first saw him when like they were making those youtube videos you know playing in the subway which i'm sure everyone in new york was like oh yeah great another guy playing Mm -hmm. in the subway um but like you still hear that influence uh in all of his other music and it's like i would attribute it a lot to like his background in new orleans and and whatnot and you know i i like melodica now when he's playing it not when like some random guy (laughs) is walking around a college campus with it well there you go um but yeah, it's it's definitely cool, and I think people will will enjoy that a lot. It's not just random guys walking around college with uh, their melodica. Did you nah, have some of nah, those? Nah. No, no, not that. Yes, a hundred percent. And like you're getting people that don't play piano, but then like pull out a melodica, and I'm like, stop. That's even worse. I know. Like I didn't want to hear you play saxophone. Don't pull out a melodica. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Well, that's a wrap for our playlist for July, but considering it's already almost halfway done with August, we'll be back pretty soon with uh, August playlist, uh, and uh, it'll be ramping back up, I think, with terms in terms of the difficulty of finding, narrowing down, I mean, uh, the playlist, because uh, tons of stuff is coming out in August and September. Uh, it's back to busy time for the the record release industry but uh thanks for watching watching you're not watching you're listening thanks for listening and uh on spotify apple music you can find our playlist this is jazz today and you can subscribe to that so you can see every time we update it it usually gets updated before we post the podcast by a couple weeks so you can stay up to date with the latest and greatest uh from our point of view So thanks for being here, and we'll see you next time.